0: Hi folks, I'm Bob Main. Welcome to another episode of today's Survival Show. Helping you do what you can with what you have, wherever you are. This is a practical show done by a practical guy. I don't go tinfoil hat on you. I just keep things rooted in common sense. First of all, I want to say, sorry I've been away for a while. You know, these last few months have been real busy for me. Extremely busy, both in my personal life and business life. You know, uh, obviously most of you know, doing today's Survival Show and doing the Handgun World podcast, they're not my full-time jobs, they're my part-time jobs, they're my hobbies that pay off a little bit, but the most important reason why I do this, believe it or not, is to teach myself, because you know what, when I talk about this stuff, and when I research it, and when I get it out there into the public domain for you to listen to, it helps me, <laughs> and, and I, I'm sure it helps you, too. Uh, a lot of people keep on listening. I keep getting great positive emails and uh, good numbers of people downloading and listening and so forth and good feedback. So thank you very much. And we help each other doing this, don't we? And you help by listening and absorbing the information. So I am in the mobile studio, and I'm meaning I'm cruising in my car around 73 miles an hour going down the uh, interstate freeway here. Anyway, I, I want to talk... About some prepping mistakes that I've made lately and I figure that if I talk about prepping mistakes then maybe it's something that you can learn from because we we tend to learn from OPEs other people's experiences right and we all make mistakes come on how many of you listening to this show right now how many of you can honestly tell me you don't make prepping? Mistakes. We're human, right? So, I want to talk about some of the mistakes and see if if you can learn from it. First of all, the website is www.todayssurvival.com. There's two S's in that web address: www.todayssurvival.com. This is episode number 270 of today's survival show. If you want to email me any kind of feedback or question or anything, the best email is Bob at com That's Bob at TodaysSurvival dot com. If you want to call in a voicemail comment, I have a voicemail box that I use for both of my podcasts. That number is 210-646-1727. Again, that's for both podcasts for this one, today's survival show, and for the Handgun World podcast. If you want to comment, if you want to ask a question, whatever, I'll probably put you on the air unless you tell me not to put it on the air. you got two to three minutes to make your point. If you'd please just call in once, make your point in two to three minutes. I would appreciate that, and I'd love to hear from you. So that's one of the best ways to give feedback. Also, don't forget today's Survival Facebook page. Just on Facebook, just go to just search today's survival show you 'll find it Facebook page. Would you go over and like that page please and then don't forget about our forum. I keep our forum restricted to only listeners of this show so you've got to be li- you have to listen to this show and there's two things you have to do to join our forum you've got to go to today'ssurvival.com once you get to today's survival.com you've got to you click the forum button you've got to register for the forum then you have to send me an email. So I guess it's a few steps. But you know what? This way I know that you're a legitimate listener. You're not a spammer. You have something positive to contribute. And I want you to be part of the forum. So send me an email at bob at Tell me you registered and give me your username. And then I'll get your account approved and you can start conversing with other like-minded people that listen to this. So prepping mistakes. Well, I've been traveling a lot lately and i'm both air travel and driving and one of the things and i want to stress this for those of you who are on medication one of the prepping mistakes that i've made lately and i don't want you to do it is not take enough medication with you and here's and i'm going to talk about that because you know most of you know the good lord above the great healer the great physician the lord jesus christ i am a christian and i believe in the divine healing power of the lord above he has brought me through stage four lymphoma, a cancer. Lymphoma is basically a cancer. It's sort of like a blood cancer. And I recently went through lots of chemotherapy, a brain surgery last September in 2014, and then an adult stem cell transplant that I went through in January. Here I am. Um, I came close to not being with us any longer, folks. And... Uh, of course, I know where I'm going when I pass, but I'd like to stay here for a while. I guess God's not finished with me yet. Maybe he's got, I guess he's got a whole lot more for me to do. Maybe it involves talking to all of you. So that's where I draw my strength from. So he brought me through cancer. Well, I've got a lot of medications that I have to take. And I took a trip and I went over to Houston, did some business, and I was only planning for one day. So I don't know what I was thinking when I packed my medications. I don't like to take all my medicines with me because I'm afraid of hey, if I lose my bag, or the airlines. Um, excuse me, not well. I mean, I carry my bag. I don't check my bag with medication. That's another mistake. Don't make that kind of a mistake if you're a traveler. By the way, don't don't check. Don't put your medication in a bag that you check. I've done that before, and then after I did it, I thought, Bob, you dummy. Don't do that. What happens if they lose your luggage? Now they've lost your medication. So I put it in my carry-on bag. But what I have been doing is, you know, I I have an estimate I know how long I'm going to be gone on the trip. And I've been just getting small little plastic snack bags, you know, plastic bags. And I've been putting my medication and labeling what it is and putting it in the bags. And that way it's easier to carry. And I just take what I need for the time of the trip. Well recently this recent trip I was only gonna be gone for about twenty four to thirty six hours. So I took a day and a half worth of medication. Well in the middle of the trip my boss called me, said, Bob, got a really important meeting and I need you to stay in town an extra day. Well guess what? I got caught because I didn't have an extra day's worth of medication. So shame on me, shame on me, shame on me. Soon as I walk in the door when I get home, which is in about 2 to 2 hours and 15 minutes after I dictate this podcast, I'm going to take the rest of the medication that I was supposed to take for today. And hopefully everything's going to be cool, and I think it will. But learning a lesson. Always take enough medication for, I would say, two more days longer than the time frame that you plan to stay. Especially during this winter season. What if you're traveling? What if you're traveling by air during Thanksgiving and Christmas and you're stranded? What happens if, because of weather, uh, because of flight delays or whatever, you could be stranded for an extra day, two days, unfortunately, sometimes, even three days, you could be stranded. So make sure that you've got medication Always with you in your backpacks, in your carry-on bags, in whatever it is that is always with you, and you are closely guarding and closely watching. So, there's a prepping mistake that I'm going to learn from. The other is, I've made a bad habit lately of needing, well, taking my emergency kit out of the trunk of my Honda and. ...putting it in my garage when I'm only going on a short trip for three or four miles down the road. And I recently did that because I was putting some stuff in my trunk that was taking up a lot of room. And the mistake I made is I accidentally left my emergency kit. I forgot about it and I left it in my garage. And then I forgot that I had been traveling around without my emergency kit. And of course in my travel emergency kit is all kinds of things. Tools, jumper cables an air compressor, a uh, couple days, three days worth of food, extra ammunition, lots of essential, important tools, knives, flashlights, things like that, blankets, plastic bags, constructor-grade plastic bags, all kinds of things that I could use to uh, to survive and to get myself by for two or three days. Well, recently, my, I, t- I turned the key on my ignition on my car and... I must have, inadvertently, I must have been parked, and I I do remember I was parked, and I was working on my uh, iPad and my computer, and I must have left the ignition on. And so, I ran down the amperage in my starter, or the voltage, excuse me, I I think I ran the voltage down in my starter, or whatever, I don't know, because I had the battery tested. I had AAA come out and test the battery, and they said the battery was fine that the uh, the amps in my starter was low. So I'm going to get that checked out by my mechanic. But what I'm trying to say is I, w- I was caught, again, another prepping mistake, is I was caught without my jumper cables, without my emergency kit, and so on and so forth. And there's a device I'm going to buy myself for Christmas. I'm going to go to my own Amazon page. By the way, if you want to buy... Survival items for people or anything, any kind of Christmas shopping you're going to be doing on Amazon, I'll bet you. I'll bet you most of you listening to this show are going to buy something on Amazon.com for somebody for Christmas. Hey, would you do me a favor? Because I don't have any sponsors and the only way, the only way that um, this show gets supported financially is generous listeners like you. You don't even have to spend any extra money. All you have to do is go to Amazon.com. Go to Today's Survival first. Go to Today's Survival.com. Then click my Amazon store link and go into my Amazon store, f- uh, go through my link, and then go ahead and log in—you know—make your purchase, log into your account, stuff like that. And I will receive a commission from Amazon. So if you would do that for me, that'd be great. I would very much appreciate that. Anyway, I'm going to buy one of these uh, Silo uh, chargers. It's S-I-L-O. I looked it up, and uh, it's pretty good, pretty pretty cool little thing. It's about eighty bucks, and it's very very portable. Very portable. Not much bigger than probably uh, the size of an iPad. Uh, of course, thicker than that. But it's got a battery in it. You know, Once it's charged up, it's got a battery in it that can uh, supposedly jumpstart your car from that emergency pack. And you can charge all kinds of things. You can charge computers. You can charge iPads. You can charge iPhones. In this digital world that we are in, it's basically it's a pretty cool mobile power supply. And I'm a real big believer in things that are mobile. How many of you are a believer in things that are mobile? Well, you know, if you're the kind of person that stays home a lot, stays in your local area, maybe you're not. But if you're the kind of person like me that puts on a lot of miles in South Texas and occasionally in Louisiana, then you want things that are mobile. So they're about 80 bucks, and I'm going to go ahead and put a link in the show notes. If you want to buy one for somebody else that you know, hold on, I'm going to take a business phone call make a little money. Hold on. Okay, thanks. So anyway, if you want to buy something for Christmas uh, off of Amazon for somebody, uh, please go use my Amazon store uh, at my webpage at todayssurvival.com. So these silo chargers or these silo kits, these power kits, these things, it looks pretty cool. And I think I'm going to invest in one, maybe two, because there is somebody I know that I can give that to a traveler. And the other thing, another mistake I've made recently is don't be in a hurry. I've been in a hurry, you know, especially when I'm packing things up that's when that's when you make prepping mistakes that's when you forget things and so on, and you can break things when you're in a hurry and trying to do too much all at once and and do it too fast slowing down slowing down just general slowing down in life haste makes waste right we've uh, hopefully you've everybody's learned that if it's the first time you ever heard of that i you know I hope it's not the first time you ever heard of that, but if it is, wow, just remember you know being hasty you, you it's it's it opens you up to forgetting a lot of stuff, doesn't it? How many of you have learned that? The faster you're moving, the more, the quicker you're moving, the more likely it is for you to forget things. So be careful of that. And carrying cash. Make sure you've got plenty of cash when you're traveling. Um, you never know when you're going to need cash to pay somebody for something. You never know when you're going to be in a situation, especially if the stink hits the fan, there's some kind of a disaster, and people's... Credit card machines and electronic terminals and Apple Pay and all that other, all this fancy technology that we use these days, you never know when that's all going to be down. Right? And you can't use it. Then good old cash is going to be king. Plus, if you're the kind of person that feels like, yeah, that there's some people out there kind of watching your movements. Now, again, I don't go tinfoil hat on people, and I'm not a tinfoil hatter. But I think that there are some areas, some, where, you know, you might be you might be looked at. Maybe people are trying to track you. Maybe somebody has a specific reason for trying to track you. Well, they can't track you if you're spending cash. If you're putting it on credit cards, debit cards, whatever, there's a record of that. And there's a record that can be followed, but they can't do much when you're... Paying cash. And also, if you happen to be on the highway or some street or someplace stranded and you need to pay somebody to, you need to tip somebody to do something for you, well, guess what? Uh, you probably can't tip them with a debit card or a credit card. Of course, you shouldn't be using credit cards. I'm, I'm an anti credit card kind of guy. Uh, I use debit cards and I use an American Express. And by the way, an American Express is not the same as a credit card. Do you know that? <coughs> Excuse me. A conventional American Express. I know they have a credit card version where you can pay over time. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the real kind of American Express. It's a charge card. There's a difference between a charge card and a credit card. Charge card, you have to pay off within 30 days. Charge card basically means that you're not paying any interest, but you're going to pay it off by the due date. Pay it off by the due date. Credit card means you're extended a line of credit, which I think you can get into way too much trouble with credit cards, which is why I don't use them anymore. All I have are debit cards, two of them, where the money comes straight out of my checking account. So if I don't have the money, I can't spend it. And I use an American Express because my company, it makes it so much cleaner because we use an American Express travel agency to use an American Express card, and it's great for business travel, and it's not a charge card, I can't get in, I mean, excuse me, it's not a credit card, and I can't get in trouble with my American Express, or I shouldn't anyway. But cash, cash is king. Got to have uh, plenty of cash. Don't be in a hurry when you're packing, and things like that. Now, some of you might be saying, Bob, I might be a little bit nervous carrying lots of cash, folks. I always keep two hundred and fifty, three hundred, maybe three hundred and fifty dollars on me at all times, in cash, in small bills, twenties and tens, usually. Bob, that's dangerous. Bob, you know what? What happens if you get mugged? What happens if I get mugged? Hey, if I get mugged, they're going to have a fight on their hands. I am armed. I'm armed everywhere where I can legally be armed. They're going to regret trying to mug me for the cash that I have on me. All right? Carry cash. Stay armed. And by the way, take self-defense courses so you know how to use your arms. I'm talking about not your arms, not your left arm and your right arm. I'm talking about your weapons that you better have for self-defense. And even if it's not a gun, even if you're not carrying a gun, if you're carrying knives, flashlights, sticks, clubs, whatever, (laughs) whatever it is that you have, know how to use them for self-defense. Take some self-defense classes. Know how to use your hands, feet, and know how to be able to run also. And get out of a situation. Have good situational awareness. People get mugged because their awareness level is too low. Okay? And that's a whole other subject that I'll get into. But these are all, you know prepping mistakes that a lot of people sometimes make and they're you know if you're a traveler like me that's important so don't be in a hurry keep cash on hand um, a, a decent amount of it you know plus here's the other thing is a lot of times you can negotiate cash discounts think about that sometimes you can negotiate a cash discount it's it's rare but you can do it and by the way you'll never do it if you don't try but there are stores out there. I mean, heck, you know, there are stores out there. I've I run into them. a lot of times when I buy guns and ammunition. They'll have a credit card price and they'll have a cash price, and you can save some money. And saving a few dollars here and there, everywhere it adds up. So don't forget about doing that. Proper maintenance on vehicles, extremely vitally, vitally important, especially the vehicle that you're going to be traveling with. And if you're not, if you're not driving, if you're traveling by air, bus, train, whatever, always try to have some items with you. I always have a couple of flashlights. I have a flashlight that I carry with me all the time, and I have a backup flashlight that goes in my checked bags even when I fly on an airplane. So i got two flashlights, and I also carry um, a couple of knives. Now, I can't carry my knives. I can't get through TSA and put it on my carry-on, but I can certainly put knives in my checked luggage, and then when I get to my destination, I can, as long as it's legal, I can have a knife with me in my destination and, and carry it with me in my pocket, and I can also have a knife either in my backpack or in my bag back at the hotel as a backup in case you know something happens with the knife I'm carrying. When I get back to my hotel room, i got another knife if I need it. Flashlights, they allow you to carry on. So I keep a flashlight with me all the time in my backpack, at least one, sometimes two. Good quality flashlights. And uh, never had a problem going through TSA. I mean, it's just a simple flashlight. Why would TSA have a problem with a, with a flashlight? If I'm ever asked, why do you have this flashlight? My standard response is going to be, I'm afraid of the dark. <laughs> I'm afraid of the dark. How are they going to deny me my fear of the dark? and make sure it's one of those good cool tactical flashlights that you can also use as a weapon and know how to use that as a weapon hey another prepping mistake a lot of people make and what I'm about to say right now is well you know what let's just take about a uh, 30 to 45 second break and then I'll cover the next point Okay, what I'm about to say next, I am not sponsored by AAA. AAA doesn't pay me one dime for saying this. But I think one of the best travel preps that you can have is a AAA membership. American Automobile Association. Folks, I have lost count how many times AAA has bailed me out of a jam. Whether it's roadside assistance or even saving money on hotel rooms. Okay, and you know what, when you add the savings up, it's significant. If you're if you travel a lot and you're in hotel rooms and things like that, the the discounts can be over time, they can be significant. Every little savings helps. But just the roadside assistance. You know, I recently had to use them to come out and check my car battery. Uh, what I did is I waited till I got to my hotel room, and then I called them up, and I had them come out to the hotel where I was staying and just check out my car battery and hook their tester up and make sure that everything is, is cool and everything is cool with the battery. So, you know, it, it, but they have on the it, roadside assistance has saved my rear end. Even if you have to get the lowest-priced triple a membership that they have uh, you know what is it forty or fifty bucks a year great it 's a great prep uh, part of it will pay for itself in hotel discounts if you 're a frequent traveler and I am so triple a cards are a must and you know what if you got if you drive a lot and you have a triple a card and plenty of cash and an emergency kit you 're pretty well set you got you got a lot of resources that you can use there to get yourself out of jams if the stink hits the fan, even if it's a mild stink-hit-the-fan event. Okay, another travel prep mistake that I see made. Now, I'm going to give you a situation that applies to me. It may apply to you, and it may not. When I am traveling, I have a choice as to where I stay. I'm talking about hotel rooms. i got a choice. Uh, I have a budget But I have a choice. As long as I stay within that budget, I can pretty much stay anywhere I want. I am a big proponent of staying outside of a major metropolitan area a little bit if I can. It means that I have to make an extra drive, but I would like to... Like, for example, I recently went to Houston and I stayed up and I had to go to North Houston, north side of Houston, Texas, to do some business... Up near the woodlands. I, I went all the way up to Conroe. And I stayed up in Conroe, which is about a 15-mile drive from where I had to be. But Conroe is a little bit smaller area, a little bit smaller town. I, my philosophy is if the stink hits the fan and I'm in the middle of a big city, that it's going to be too hard and too difficult for me to get out of town. And I would rather already be out of town or part of the way out of a big metropolitan area if the stink hits the fan. That's kind of like my my philosophy is it's easier. And there's going to be a mass exodus to get out of the city if the stink hits the fan and so i want to be already out of the city and it just means that i have to plan my business travel a little bit better and it means that i have to plan my appointments and things like that and uh, drive a little bit longer uh, farther and uh leave a little bit earlier. Now, I, I get reimbursed for my mileage, so I really don't, you know, it's not all that big of a deal to me if I have to put on extra miles and use a little bit extra gas, because ultimately my employer is going to be paying for it. But if you're paying for it out of your own pocket, just remember, keep detailed logs of all of your mileage and your gas usage. It is a tax write-off if you're using your vehicle for business, as long as you're keeping really good records. I'm a big proponent of that, taking advantage of everything that you can. But from a survival Standpoint From a common sense, and again, I'm all about common sense, prepping standpoint, where I stay, I would much rather be in a smaller town outside of a major metropolitan area. This way, at least, I've got access, easy access to the metropolitan area when I'm doing business. But when I'm sleeping overnight, when I'm staying, I'm going to already be out of town in case something, the stink hits the fan. And also, that's, you know, you got to think about it. When I'm in a hotel and I'm traveling, my hotel is my home away from home temporarily. It's my home base temporarily. And I just, I feel better from a uh, survival standpoint having my home base in a little bit, my temporary home base in a little bit smaller town outside of the city. So you might want to think about that, your situational awareness has got to be heightened, especially when you're traveling. I mean, I think you should always be alert, even when you're at home. Don't get complacent. Complacency kills. But when you're traveling, you've always got to be paying attention. One thing, when you're in a strange area that you don't know very well, you don't know the lay of the land, you don't know the type of people that are in the area, and so forth, in public, as much as you can, stay off of your phones. Oh, man. Today, so many people, uh, they got their nose and their face buried in their devices, in their iPhones or their droid phones or their tablets or whatever. Folks, you got your nose and your face buried in watching your iPhone. You're not paying attention to what's going on around you. You're making yourself a sitting duck. You're not, You're not paying attention and you're not... You know, you're not your situational awareness is not where it should be if you're paying attention to your device. Do you really live the kind of life that's that important that you have to answer emails and texts right away? It can't wait an extra five or ten minutes until you get inside of the building, for example, or you know where you're in an area that you've kind of checked out, that you know it to be safe, and then you can answer. Your email or your voicemail or your text. So think about that. You know, don't leave yourself open by keeping your attention focused on something else when your attention needs to be always scanning around you. Always looking in the dark places. Always looking around Objects that you don't normally look around. Okay, for example, you know when you park uh, wh- where, and you're walking through a parking lot, you know what's on the other side of that SUV you're looking at, or what's on the other side of that van. If it's nighttime, are you parking in a in a well lit area? You know, think about that. Now, I you know that's the other thing too. You know, you've got to think about you got to think about what are you doing with your vehicle when you're on the road when you're not in your vehicle. How inviting are you making yourself in terms of being a target, in terms of being a, so- a soft target? A lot of this is just common sense. A lot of this is just using your head. But if you got your nose and your face buried into an iPhone or whatever kind of device you're probably not going to be paying the kind of attention that you're supposed to be paying and the situational awareness you're supposed to have. If you're traveling with somebody, if you've got your family with you, give everybody a, an assignment while you're on the trip. Everybody has a, a, a prepping or a survival assignment. You know, Maybe one person is always looking for unusual things. Maybe another is the person designated to you know, scan the parking lot when you pull into a parking lot that you don't know much about that area and you don't know what's going on. Maybe another person scans the parking lot while another person drives. So there, there's three of you in a car and each of you have an assignment. Okay, if it's nighttime, you know, maybe you need to decide who's going to stay with the car if you have to leave it for a little little while, you know, who's not. Uh, if somebody is legally legally allowed to be armed, maybe that's the person that stays with the car while two more go and do something else. you got to plan this stuff out. Bad guys and bad people are pretty much going to know who's a soft target and who's not. And they're going to be able to sense and pick up on the fact whether you've got your act together and whether you're paying attention and whether you're exercising your uh, the proper situational awareness they can sense it so with that said I got a few more other ideas let's take a quick break and I'll be right back
1: I don't know what to say really three minutes to the biggest battle of our professional lives all comes down to today. Either we heal as a team, or we're gonna crumble. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. We're in hell right now, gentlemen. Believe me. And we can stay here, get the shit kicked out of us, or we can fight our way back into the light we can climb out of hell one inch at a time now I can't do it for you I'm too old I look around I see these young faces and I think I mean I made every wrong choice a middle-aged man can make I uh. I pissed away all my money, believe it or not. I chased off anyone who's ever loved me. And lately, I can't even stand the face I see in America. You know, when you get old in life, things get taken from you. I mean, that's that's part of life. But you only learn that when you start losing stuff, you find out life's this game of inches. So is football. Because in either game, life or football, the margin for error is so small. I mean, one half a step too late or too early, and you don't quite make it. One half second too slow, too fast, you don't quite catch it. The inches we need are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. On this team, we fight for that inch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, That's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I'll tell you this, in any fight, it's the guy who's willing to die who's going to win that itch. And I know if I'm going to have any life anymore, it's because I'm still willing to fight and die for that itch. Because That's what living is. The six inches in front of your face. Now I can't make you do it. You gotta look at the guy next to you. Look into his eyes. Now I think you're gonna see a guy who will go that inch with you. You're gonna see a guy who will sacrifice himself for this team because he knows when it comes down to it, you're gonna do the same for him. That's a team, gentlemen, and either we heal now as a team, or we will die as individuals. That's football, guys. That's all it is. Now, what are you going to do?
0: okay sorry about all the breaks i am multitasking something else you might want to consider if you travel a lot since this episode is primarily about travel preps and travel prepping mistakes and things like that do's and don'ts I'm a firm believer if traveling by air, I'm I'm a huge believer in checking luggage. I I really am. And you might think that that's a little weird. What? What do you mean Bob? check luggage? Because everybody and their brother carries everything that they own on the plane, right? Doesn't it frustrate you? It frustrates me as an air traveler. When you got all these people with these monstrous bags on the airplane. A lot of them are boarding late. And they got this giant carry-on, and all the overhead compartments are full, and they're trying to jam their carry-on in the overhead compartment. They're delaying everything. There are six people behind them that want to get to their seats. The flight attendants are upset because people are having a hard time finding space for their way-too-big (laughs) carry-ons. How many of you can relate to this? Gee, I hope I didn't offend you. I hope you're not one of those people. Ladies and gentlemen, what's the problem with checking bags? Oh, yeah, I know. There's a fee. That's right. There's a $25, $30, maybe even some airlines, $50 bag fee. See, I'm not real used to that. I fly Southwest 90% of the time where bags fly free. But even if I had to pay the $25, $25, unless my budget is really, really strapped... If I want to take prepping items on the road with me, I've got to check luggage. If I want to prepare a small, tiny little backpack or some tiny little kit that I can uh, easily check that probably would be way too big to carry on, but I can check it in the checked luggage... I'd just much rather do that. That way, when I get to dest- my destination, I'm prepared and I've got more stuff at my disposal. I just don't like being at the mercy of only stuff that I can carry on the airplane. Uh, I, I hope the day comes where they where they do away with a lot of big carry-ons uh, on airplanes. I was just on a plane recently uh, that's been modified to enlarge the overhead compartments. So I'm like, oh, Man, I wish they wouldn't do that. Because they're just encouraging. I mean, it's just, its I don't know. That's my belief on it. You might disagree with me. You might be shouting at your your smartphone or however it is that you live, your computer or whatever. You might be shouting at me right now as you're listening to me. Because maybe you're one of those types of people that doesn't like to check luggage. But I'm a big believer in that. You know, could your luggage get lost? Yeah. Does it happen very often? No it really doesn't and this is a playing the odds game in my opinion what are the what which odds are greater that i that the airlines might lose my luggage or that i might need something that is in my little survival kit that i take on the road You know, and that's a judgment call. I would rather play the odds that my luggage won't get lost because I've been traveling by air for many, 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 many years. And only once has it been completely lost in almost 30 years of travel. Once have I never seen my bag again after checking it. Uh, A couple of different times, it was severely late getting to my destination. But... You know, that's over about 30 years, folks. I think the airlines are getting better at handling baggage, not worse. They're getting better. So I would much rather have more stuff with me than not. Now, whenever I can, I like to drive. And that's just kind of my personal preference. Because, you know, driving, hey, there's a lot you can do taking your vehicle. There's a lot you can pack into your vehicle and so forth. You know, a lot of prepping items that you can take with you that you just simply can't take when you're flying. You know, short trips, my philosophy is if I can drive there within three to four hours, I'm going to drive. Makes no sense at all to me to fly out of San Antonio, Texas, where I'm based. Makes no sense to fly anywhere that I can drive in three to four hours. Just doesn't. And I can take so much more stuff with me in driving. And expense-wise, with the low cost of gas, it's probably the same money or less money to drive. You know, back when gas was, you know, over three bucks a gallon, maybe that's a little different. Of course it depends on what you drive. I drive a couple of Honda Accords. They get great gas mileage. So a big mistake that a lot of people make is underpacking when they're traveling. Now we we tend to make a mistake Overpacking stuff we don't need and underpacking stuff that we do need. So think about that. Okay, the next thing I want to talk about is calling ahead and telling friends and family members that you're passing through. I think this is a good idea, especially if you're driving. If you're driving and you know somebody that lives in the area or that lives in an area that's on the way to your destination, I think it's not a bad idea to call them and just tell them that you're coming through, even if you're not going to stop to see that person. This is, you know, I've talked before in previous previous podcast episodes. I've talked about building a survival network, a network of people, preferably around the country. And I know I have some international listeners. Some of my listeners are outside the USA. You know, you can pretty much do this wherever you live in the world. Like-minded people. And so, for example, if I'm driving from San Antonio to Dallas, for example, you know, I'm going to let people know on the way, uh, people in Austin and people in New Braunfels and San Marcos and people in Waco and people in the Dallas area, that I'm probably going to be coming through their area. Uh, within the next three or four hours, whatever, you know, and I might say, "Hey, you know, I'm kind of crunched for time, and I'm sorry we can't get together on this time uh, on this trip, but maybe we will on the next trip. but even if you can get together, well, that's great. you know, if you got the time to do that and to visit people and you know talk about survival stuff and just general life and things like that. but why I, why do I think this is an important thing to do? because if something happens to you, you want people to know where your approximate whereabouts were. Because if people come looking for you, they're going to start contacting your family and your friends. They're probably going to start with your family. And your family, hopefully, will be able to talk about, tell them about some friends that you have. And you might want to let your family know. Of course, you need to give your family detailed schedule as to where you're going. Um, like me, I travel by myself a lot. I do give my family, I tell them where I'm going. At least the general area of where I'm going. And, of course, my family know, they know, uh, you know, which hotels and things I'm going to be staying at. But it's important that you uh, let them know, and it's important that you maybe call a friend or two on the way. So that in case something happens to you, God forbid, but in case you go missing or something like that, when people start to look for you, hopefully they'll tell the investigators, Hey, you know what? Yes, my friend called me uh yesterday at about two o'clock and said he was going to be passing through within the next hour or two or something like that. At least that gives the authorities a place to start looking, does it not? You never know where these little things are going to lead. So this is why I say have a good relationship with people and explain to them the purpose of your call. Explain to them that you're going to be coming through and that you just want, you know, just in case, you know, God forbid something happens, but... You know, in case something happens, that you know, if somebody calls you or, or contacts you, you, you you tell them that it was approximately you know, two o'clock uh, last Tuesday afternoon when you were in this area. Also, knowing several routes on how to get to where you're going, if you're using a GPS, programming into your GPS several routes now. Well, what happens if the GPS signal is down? This is why it's not a bad idea to find a map of where you're going and print that map and have that printed map in your vehicle somewhere. Even if you're flying somewhere, have a printed map of the destina- of the city of your destination. Have that in your carry-on somewhere. Okay so that this way you can you can figure out where you're going in case things go down in case GPS signals go down in case cell phone signals go down if you're using a smartphone for GPS so that you have a navigation tool common sense stuff right but these are all travel prepping mistakes that people make or that people you know, sometimes forget about it. And I'm guilty of forgetting some of this stuff, folks. i I got to tell you, sometimes I get in such a rush and my mind starts going in several different directions and I start to forget some of this stuff. But I think it's very imperative. You know, and the cool thing is, is, you know, it's only a piece of paper if you print out a map. So you could print out several of them and carry them with you and it's not going to weigh that much. Easy, portable things. Something you should always have in your emergency bag as well is some kind of a, you know, map or atlas or something. In fact, that's probably a good place to put it. If you carry an emergency kit in your vehicle and, you know, let's say I know I am going to drive to Corpus Christi, Texas from San Antonio. You know, I might want to throw a map of the greater Corpus Christi area into my emergency kit. So that if, for some reason, all the electronics don't work because there's some kind of a disaster, at least I got a pretty basic idea of where I'm going and how to get there. And I have a printed map that I can look at and go off of that. Now, lots of different ways to charge your electronics is also a traveling prep that a lot of people don't take often enough. Let's not all assume that if the stink hits the fan that electronics are not going to work. You know, there's a lot of people, everybody's prepping for what happens if electronics and communication don't work. Well, you've got to prepare for that, of course. But most of the time they are going to work. You know, texting often works better than calling on a, on a smartphone, on a cell phone. I don't know if you know that. Sometimes email will work, but you, know, and you can email. If you have an internet connection, you can send an email, or if you're near a Wi-Fi, you can send an email, but for some reason you might not be able to make a phone call. If phone lines are down or something like that, you might not be able to make a phone call to somebody else that has a landline, or even if cell towers are down. You might not be able to make a phone call to somebody that is using a cell phone, but you might be able to send them an email. So keeping your devices charged is one of the reasons why I want this silo charging kit. And by the way, if you're interested in getting it, I'm going to put a link in the show notes for this episode. This is episode number 270. Of course, that link will be a direct link to the product going through my Amazon store. So if you want to buy it, use the link that I put in my show notes at today'ssurvival.com for episode number 270 and buy it through my Amazon store. And also these little portable chargers, you know, these little portable things that, uh, like these little Mophie chargers, or even little inexpensive twenty or thirty dollar USB device chargers that will charge up an iPhone or charge up a an iPad. A lot of these are really, really inexpensive, and they've got enough. Uh, power where they'll you know they'll advertise that they'll charge like you know two charges on an iPhone and one charge of an iPad or a tablet or some of these'll even charge laptop computers. I got one in my backpack right now. These things are so easy to carry and they're so lightweight and they can be they can really save your butt you know if your vehicle's broke down and you can't charge off of the battery in your vehicle, but you can charge off of these. And that's why I say it's so practical to be able to keep that stuff charged because, you know, you you never know. It could be your only means of communication. And some of you, if you might have uh, other devices that you use for communication, of course, you're going to have to carry plenty of batteries. uh, Or you're going to have to carry a way to recharge those devices if... You're in a situation where you've got to do that, where you can't have easy access to power. So think about all this stuff. That's why I'm such a big fan of driving whenever I can and not flying. But I'm also a big fan of having a little survival kit, just basic stuff, even if you're going by air or by train, where you can take extra, uh, where you're limited into the as the amount of stuff that you can carry with you. Now, the last thing I'm going to cover is certainly not the least thing. This requires planning, and it requires careful attention to detail. Most of you know me. I like to be armed. I like to carry a gun with me all the time, wherever it's legal. Just like wearing a seatbelt in case I get into an accident, I carry a gun in case my life is threatened because I can't carry a cop. Okay? And always, always, now, I always have at least a handgun and usually a rifle in the trunk. Why? Well, my handgun is always readily available. People say, well, Bob, you, you're not going to have time to get to the rifle in your trunk. That's not what the rifle in my trunk is for. It's not for immediate self defense. The rifle in my truck is in case, in my trunk, excuse me, I don't have a truck. The rifle in my trunk is basically my primary get-home tool. In other words, if I gotta basically clear a path to get back home and I have to use my rifle, if the situation has gotten that bad, well, I've got my rifle to do that. If I'm with somebody else and somebody else has to carry, has to use the rifle and ride shotgun, Uh, which is the seat next to me while I'm driving, and they got to defend us while we're trying to get home. Hey, it's a get-home tool. That's what that is. If I'm attacked in my car, I'm going to be using a handgun. Because that's what's readily available to me, and I've got one on me right now as I'm driving, dictating this podcast. Spare ammunition. You can carry that, too. Ladies and gentlemen, when you're flying, you can easily fly... With a handgun. It's not that hard to do. Just Google on the internet, flying with a handgun. I produced a YouTube video. If you want a YouTube Bob Main Handgun World show, flying with a handgun, you'll find my video. And I talk about how to do it. How to easily do it. Now, you need to pay attention to laws. Laws. You know, especially the laws, the the gun laws in the destination that you're flying to. If you're flying to a gun unfriendly place, maybe you don't take your gun. But if you're flying to a place that's friendly to firearms, take it and carry it. This is why you need your concealed carry license. This is why you need to make sure that you have reciprocity with the state that you're going to. And if you don't, then don't carry it. But, like, for example, my Texas concealed handgun license, I think I have reciprocity with 37 or 38 states. Most of the states that I regularly go to, (coughs) excuse me, I can carry there. And I do. So, it's nice when you're driving because you can carry your weapons easily when you're driving, but you can also carry even limited amounts of weapons when you are flying just Google. By the way, every airline has its own policy. Um, you realize it's not, it's not a federal law that regulates traveling, flying with handguns. It's the airlines. The airlines themselves have their own regulations. Most of them are pretty standard. And here's, here's most of the standard regulations. Obviously, the handgun has to be unloaded and it has to be in a locked case. And the, there can be no ammunition in the locked case that your handgun is in. Both of them can be in the same bag. I do it all the time. My ammunition and my handgun in a locked case. They're in the same bag, but the ammo is not in the same locked case with the gun. The locked case has to be a case that is not a flimsy case. It's got to be rigid enough that when you've got locks on it, that it can't be pried open very easily. Okay. I do not use TSA locks. I'll explain why I don't do that in a, in a minute. But it's got to be a locked case. And basically what you do is, you know, the disadvantage is you can't use the skycaps to check in your luggage. And of course you can't carry them on. You have to go to the ticket counter or to the baggage check-in counter. And you've got to use that method. So plan accordingly. Leave yourself enough time to be able to do that. And when you get there and you're checking in, you tell them that you're declaring an unloaded handgun. Very specific words that you should use. It's not a requirement. It's my suggestion. Hi, I'm Bob Main. I am declaring an unloaded handgun. They will know what to do. Most of, them, most of the ticket agents or baggage agents are not as ignorant as you think. They know exactly what, you, what to do. They might ask to check it. They might ask you to unlock the case. So they can see it. Sometimes they don't. They might ask you, is it unloaded? Yes, it's unloaded. Is it locked? Yes, it's locked. They will ask you to open up your luggage and show them the locked case. Most of the time, they're going to have you fill out a little declaration form. You're going to sign that declaration form, and they're going to tape it to the outside of your locked case. Okay, this basically tells the people who uh, x-ray your bags that they've been checked properly by the proper agent. That's really about it. Uh, some airports might make you go to a special TSA screening area some don't i've had it, i've had both happen to me uh, some airports say okay now you have to go over to this other special room and a TSA agent will be there and they'll open up your bag and they'll test it and they'll use their little swab thing for testing for explosives and stuff like that and then when they when they're satisfied you don't have any bombs in there they're going to let you go and they're going to put your bag on the airplane it's, and that sounds like it's complicated, but it's really, really not very complicated. Just know the laws, and you can go to handgunlaw.us, handgunlaw.us, not .com, not .org, handgunlaw.us, and you can check to find out. It's a great resource to find out if your concealed... A carry license has reciprocity with the state that you're going to so you know what, what the basic laws are in your destination. I do not use TSA locks and here's why. A TSA lock means that it can be opened by a TSA agent because they have a, a key that will open up your TSA locks. Do not do that. Do not, they, you, they may say to you, well you know now if you've got TSA locks on there uh, you, you, know, you don't have to go to this special TSA screening area. That's fine. I'll go to the special TSA screening area. If a TSA agent opens your case that has your handgun in it, there's some really bad things about that. Let's say you're making a connection in another city, and maybe the connection in another city is not a real gun-friendly pl- place. Okay. If for some reason a TSA agent, after you get to your connecting de- de- destination, if they open your luggage, by federal law now that cannot that luggage cannot no longer fly now because it's been opened in the middle of your trip. Okay, so there are some federal laws that are that go into play, but most of the regulations are airline specific. But by federal law, your bag now can no longer continue to your destination. So let's say I'm flying from San Antonio to Chicago and Chicago to Columbus, Ohio. Okay, Ohio is a gun-friendly place. Chicago's not. So let's say I fly San Antonio to Chicago and for some reason somebody, somebody in TSA decides that they want to go into my bag and look at it because they can because there's a TSA lock. By law, my luggage cannot leave Chicago and go to Columbus with me. I have to get back to Chicago to claim my bag. Okay. Now, if Chicago is not a gun-friendly place, or let's say it's New Jersey, or let's say it's Maryland, or it's some place that's not very gun-friendly that I'm connecting through, I may have a problem dealing with people, dealing with authorities to get my gun back okay there are plenty of horror stories about people even getting arrested in a situation like this so if i don't have tsa locks nobody can open that and you know there's no reason for them to go in there if it's been checked when you checked on your when you boarded your flight if your bag was checked and your bag was properly cleared through tsa when you got on your flight there is no reason for the pinheads at tsa to go through and inspect that bag again now of course it's going to get rechecked when you return home but in flight there's no reason plus you know what the people who work at TSA they're just people uh and they're just people that don't get paid a lot it seems like a lot of them don't enjoy their jobs so I really don't want, want them having easy access to the weapons in my bag that I am carrying and that I have properly checked according to airline and some federal regulations so that's why you don't use TSA locks on the bag that you are carrying that you have properly checked your gun in. Okay? Well, there you go. There's some traveling preps uh, and some prepping, traveling prepping mistakes that I have made, that some people made, and I hope that you learned from this. I hope you picked up a tip. I would love to hear your comments. So again, join the forum. After you register for the forum, send me an email at bob at today's and let me know that you signed up for the forum. And what your username is, and I'll get your account approved in less than 24 hours. Please buy your Christmas gifts or any of the gifts that you're buying uh, that, uh, that you're buying through Amazon.com. Please go to my website first and buy them through my Amazon store first. If you would do that, then that way you can support my show, and it doesn't cost you any extra money at all. If you want to access the very good instructional videos that Ben Branham and I produce at, uh, those are handgun. I I do the Handgun World podcast, and these are great instructional videos on how to use your weapon and properly defend yourself. If you want to become a member, that's another way to support me. It's only $8 a month or $75 for a one-year membership, and you can access over 30 instructional videos on how to use your handgun properly to defend yourself. I think you'll get some great enjoyment out of that. And uh, that's called the Shooters Club, and you can go to, you can actually find that at todayssurvival.com. Go to todayssurvival.com or shootersclubmembers.com, and you can find information about how to do that and how to support me. And again, the voicemail number is two one zero six four six seventeen twenty seven. With that, I want to say thank you for listening to another episode of Today's Survival Show. I'm Bob Main. It's my goal to help you do what you can with what you have wherever you are. I'll catch you next time. Goodbye.